Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Zarar. I'm Kino. I'm Chaba. Uh, I was on Hacker News the other day, and uh, I was just uh, looking at what kind of jobs are available. No, I'm not looking, but I was just checking out what's going on. And in the comment thread, somebody mentioned that, you know, like every time we uh, set up a new project or, or, or there's a new hire, um, what really helps us out is Slack-first development. And I'm like, Slack-first development? I mean, I've heard of Slack. I've heard of test-driven development. What is Slack-first development? So I kind of dug into this a, a little bit more. And apparently, anytime you are introducing a new uh, process or any any sort of change in the way you work, the first thing you do is not necessarily think about the process, but how it integrates with Slack. Now, uh, Slack doesn't have to be the, the tool of choice here. I think the point here is that uh, there, there, there needs to be communication. The communication needs to be thought of first before any new process is introduced. And not just communication, but um, but automated communication in a way. And, and I wondered, uh, you know, just the, the, the idea was so... Uh, unique. I hadn't heard of it before, and it, I was kind of conflicted. I was like, "Isn't isn't um, isn't agile supposed to be something where people always talk to each other? Face to face communication is important. Uh, you know, face to face over tools or whatever the value is there, right? Like tools come second. They're less valuable than 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 face to face communication. Individuals and interaction is what I'm going for there." Uh, and here we are, but at the same time, automation is is important. We we value automation to reduce waste. So, uh, just your general thoughts. Uh, let's start with Chaba on the idea of thinking about a tool to start your uh, your 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 workflow or start integrating a new change into the way you work. Thinking about the tool first and the automation of that tool first. Did that seem a little little off balance to you? How, how do you react react to that? So I have a friend of mine uh, who worked at Google, and uh, their philosophy is monitoring first development. So they, whenever they start building anything, because of their sheer uh, uh, volume of, of of their users' data and everything, they they build everything monitoring first. So so they have to be able to to monitor and and talk about production monitoring and not not people monitoring here in production. Uh, uh, in this case, but that's that's their approach. If if something is not monitorable, is not is not able to have statistics, is not able to automate all these things, then then there is is absolutely no question that they would even even start it. So um, uh, so that that's that's another example to you when when you think of the tool first, and probably it works for them given how how successful how successful they are. So. It's it's an interesting concept what you what you mentioned, and I never thought of Slack or any of this. But uh, when when we see these examples and Google is, I think it's a good example. Then it, it probably makes sense. And I don't know, you know, do you have any other potential examples or any other ideas on? The first thing that I'm thinking about when I hear Slack as a, as a platform, because that's ultimately what I what I think it is as a platform for communication, is that it's an enablement for. Um, for closer communication, richer communication, uh, and uh, and making sure that there is alignment around how you communicate between uh, certain about certain things and between between teams. 
one of the problems and one of the challenges, not necessarily a problem, one of the challenges that we always need to address when introducing changes uh, across an entire uh, organization or even a team is uh, to ensure that everyone is on the same page and that we uh, all have uh, the same rigor when applying those new processes that we all have to get used to. Uh, until they become a habit, we have to put a little bit of effort in it. What you're actually doing right there is you're taking some of that effort away. Some of that investment that each and every one needs to make is already taken out because it's automated. You're thinking about that first. How can we make the introduction of that process as light as possible, as easy as possible, so that nobody really can forget about it and so forth? I think that's that's kind of a really neat idea and um, definitely supportive of it. And I think it's interesting because when... When uh, when Hino was talking, and I um, think of uh, continuous delivery, it's uh, one one thing that I just realized that actually I do this, and I never thought from from this perspective. And I like to get the teams I worked with I work with very 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 early, potentially in in their first sprints, to the point that they can deploy to production. So in fact, that's that's automation first development or deployment first development or continuous integration first development. And, and often Slack is a good tool to, to communicate back uh, the, the, about your, get feedback about your build process, right? That, that's an amazing tool. So it's almost like Slack becomes the, the, the delivery uh, portion of that, of that continuous, on your continuous delivery, no pun intended. Right. And and don't don't get me wrong, right? I'm not advocating to use Slack over in-person communication because obviously that's always richer and we always want to um promote the 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 most rich um ways of communicating possible. However, there is a reality of course that and especially right now a lot of people are working uh remotely. A lot of people are working from home in in many places around the world, and while that uh, obviously um, a- enables people from all kinds of places working together and and uh, people being in their own environment, you do require to install something or uh, adopt something that somehow is is able to uh, replicate at least some of that communication that you otherwise have in person. Slack seems to be that platform that does this best at this time, right? I don't know any anything else that does it as well and is as easy to uh, build new functionality in as, uh, as Slack provides right now. Um, so, yeah, it, for me, it does make sense. Again, it's not a promotion of the tools. It's a promotion of the, the idea that communication is so important that we have to talk about it first or think about yeah. it first. And, and and I was thinking of this in terms of context switching because uh, you know I think I, I think I was I was reading some um, taking a little bit of time off so I was reading some uh, some some management books some some uh, of, of that came out lately and I think people are now starting to sort of understand that context switching is bad that you cannot multitask I think that seems to be news to to a lot of people so some books are being written about it so which was just kind of funny to me because that's something that. We, we've been preaching from, uh, for for years now, right? That that you just cannot context switch and multitasking is a is a terrible idea for you. Uh, and 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 I was thinking about what are ways that we can reduce context switching and multitasking uh, during during our work hours, whether it be remote or not. And when I thought about using Slack as a solution to that, it felt counterintuitive. 
because Slack is is notorious for popping up and interrupting you while you are doing something, and people have an expectation that you will respond as soon as you get a message. So we have that sort of baked into our process, and it's it's almost baked into our process without us even wanting it. It's it's sort of it implicitly has happened to us now. And I think, how do you unwind that behavior? How do we go back to where we can actually maintain focus for two, three hours at a time and, and, and actually be more productive and happy and focused and all that stuff? And thinking about Slack as a solution to that is weird, but I think it can work as long as people are, as Tohino, as you said, are following the, the, the rules properly and the rules are being enforced properly. So for example, if you are, if if you if you if you fire up an IDE and you start typing away and that automatically changes your status to do not disturb and literally mutes everything out and funnels all the messages into a channel which you can check later you won't even get the messages that's exactly. a, that's a very smart way of using a to, an instant messaging tool to increase your levels of concentration so it's it's those kind of ideas that i think we we can tap into uh, and those kind of ideas will bring us more in line with what, what Agile has been preaching from, from, from day one, which is focus and, 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 and happy people. How about? Yeah, I wanted to add like it, what, what you mentioned about uh, the recent management books talking about um, uh, context switching and how bad it is. I think I, I have a theory for that actually from two angles. One is that, that nowadays problems are getting more and more complex. So when the problems are getting more and more complex, then you have to hold this in your head, a more complex um, domain. And for development, this is especially true. And nowadays, the older, uh, it used to be only business complexity, but now comes software system complexity. So so especially for developers, I read this a few years ago that a developer needs 20 minutes to fully context switch, which means that they, yeah, they start working on something, but until they are fully productive in that new context, different it takes twenty minutes. So, so that's that's just the price that we pay. But coming back to your, uh, to can, um, I, can I jump in there for yeah. a second though? Um, I think this is also um, a result of the times that we're living in right now, related to uh, to the pandemic, and that is a awful lot more people started working from home. It's an awful lot, an awful lot less visible that they're busy working on something else. It's a lot easier to expect them to go from one meeting into the other, making that context switch so much more impactful. Um, and, and even having no minutes in between to walk from one meeting to another, if, if otherwise you're in the, on the office floor and you walk from one meeting to another, at least you have a minute or two minutes to somehow, uh, get your mind into the, the topic of the, of the next meeting that has an impact on everyone's mental health. Mental health is a topic that because of the pandemic has gotten an awful lot more attention, rightfully so. Uh, and is uh, obviously inspiring those books as well. So I don't think it's necessarily the complexity of the of the software, but it's also the times that we live in that, that causes these conversations to happen more often. So, so to, just to answer a little bit about about interruptions and limiting interruptions, maybe we are we are getting away a little bit from the original topic, but um, um, th- I think this should be team based, or they should agree a little bit, or or have because. Because um, what, what I've seen is that uh, there are a few techniques. So one, once you had your daily stand-up and you agreed what you want to work on, then you should probably have a pretty good idea that for the next few hours, especially if you do this in the morning, ne- next few hours you will need to work individually or with somebody else. So that's, that's I think, an important decision. 
and if you if you are going to work individually then then i think it would be a fair expectation that for at least for the morning hours a few hours not to be interrupted and this this is kind of a question of a, of a team agreement now and and especially and this is lots of research showed that we are the most productive in the in the in the morning before lunch and 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 I've seen often people put lots of meetings in the morning and then leave the afternoon open when while they should be the other way around. Like at least based on our chronotypes. And Daniel Pink wrote an interesting book about this called, I think it's called When. And uh, and then he talks about this and lots of research actually showed this this productivity for the majority of us is the best in the morning. So I think this is question of the team agreement and how the team can agree and to ensure this uninterrupted time. Uh, but is it is it feasible to have the full day uninterrupted? I don't think so, and I think it would be counter counter teamwork as well. Yeah. So so moving on from the from the interruption thing, that, that that was just an example that I used as one of the problems that people are using Slack to solve, which would seem counterintuitive. But 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 beyond that, uh, you know, like when say say you have your 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 team and you have. Um, as a, a normal event happens in a team, I don't know, a stand-up ends and somebody has a question. And th- th- that question is generally asked, you know, directly to the individual or in a in a Slack channel or so. And, and th- once that question is answered, some sort of knowledge is represented in Slack. And oftentimes what happens is that that knowledge is sort of, it's, it's very ephemeral. It, it, the question is asked, it's answered, it's gone. And it's next time the same thing happens. Good luck searching for it, right? I think all of us have been through. So when so some of the some of the some of the apps that that, that Slack has in there can get quite good at turning Slack and your day to day communication, which is more and more transferred online and to chat messages, into a knowledge base. And I think that's what's that's one of the big side effects of using um, on, on tools like this is that. It it has a better chance of of, of relevant knowledge to be indexed and ser- be searchable and be at your fingertips when you need it the most. Uh, as much as face to face communication is is important, and I still like value that number one. It it doesn't always have that. So I think people are tapping into some of the automation capabilities of our communication channels and turning that into knowledge bases, which you know I think is 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 a phenomenal step. It's not perfected yet, but. It's you know people are trying to trying to work away at it. So with my own company, we we had some challenges as well in uh, in just being diligent enough to to keep our CRM up to date. Uh, but we were working in in Slack all the time, and just for our listeners, we are not paid by Slack at all, right? So put in your tool. Uh, if it, if it works for you, then that that's great. That's not what we're talking about. But what we did was, in order to make that an awful lot easier for us, and to uh, we we built a small app that completely integrated with the way that we uh, kept track of our conversations with our customers. And uh, with a small few commands, we just type slash. Um, in our case, it was CRM. Uh, we just uh, type that, and the, the command after after that, we we just do. Or we just interpret whatever that command was, and it would update our uh, our internal systems. Um, f- you can do this for anything. Let's say that you have a tool like Jira, and you're uh, running a stand-up, or there, there's a demo, and you don't want to open up Jira and go through all the clicks with your mouse and so forth. Just slash. I, I don't know what the commands are. I, we have we don't have it integrated, but 
slash Jira and uh, add issue and just type whatever the the issue summary is, and you immediately create uh, an issue in in Jira. That actually reduces context switching. To come back to that other piece, uh, it's kind of a, a good link there, but that actually reduces context switching as well. It just thinks about, okay, what do I need to do? Please, you do it for me. It's almost like a personal assistant, right? And you can set it up in such a way that that indeed uh, helps you. A reminder, hey, I made a decision, slice decision, and it will automatically log it in, this, in the place that it needs to be where everyone knows these are all the decisions that we made with our team. Uh, and, and it automatically records it in that particular way. If you integrate it that way, it makes it very, very, very effective. So I would like to bring it back a little bit to that that technology-driven or anything-driven kind of development because uh, because like one of the best definitions I heard of technical debt is anything that slows you down. And and I would I would like to expand in this conversation that that uh, I, I don't know what what word or or definition I would use, but I would say that anything that slows you down, you want to automate, right? And and he knows example of creating a creating, a, let's say, a Jira ticket would be one of those. So I think the motivation behind, and, and, and again, I'm going to uh, come back to the what you originally talked about, Zerar, that that you want to, to think, it's almost like whatever slows me down driven development. So, so, so you can, you can replace that, that, uh, anything, uh, that slows me down should be, should be something like, for example, test driven development, right? That's, that's one, because testing, if I don't do it now, later on, it's going to slow me down or, or slack driven development because, or, or, uh, monitoring based, what Google does, monitoring, uh, driven development, because I know that, that put, to put in that monitoring later on is going to slow me down or looking for issues is going to slow me down. So I think, I think that's the, the the basic concept here to identify these potential challenges very, very early and then start developing with those things in mind and hook in those those tools very, very early in mind. And and, and again, I just want to come back to test-driven development because that's probably one of the best examples uh, out there. Um well, we, we thought we didn't have enough to talk about, but here we are at uh, in the nineteenth minute of this podcast. Um, no, for sure, I, I think uh, I think I think it's a sound thought. Uh, obviously, there's a balance to strike there, uh, but I think uh, technology is we, we live in a in a world where where, where we interact with tools all the time. Uh, I think just saying that uh, individuals and interactions over processes and tools um, is correct, but it might be a little bit dated, and I think we're sort of. Uh, we're in a position we sort of we, we have to adopt uh, the the tools at our disposal. I'm not saying jump into the metaverse and put a big giant thing on your head and start going nuts, uh, but but I think there's opportunity where uh, uh, there's an, there's an opportunity to shift our mindset where we embrace the tools that we have and make the most out of them and think about them. Chaba, as you said early, you know, as you were talking, I was like, you know, test driven development. I was thinking of waste driven development, whatever the opposite of waste is, and reduce that dash driven development you know maybe, maybe something like that i uh, gotta think of a better term for that but um let, let's leave it at that uh and we'll um we'll we'll leave it at that yeah follow us on uh, twitter it's at continuous pod uh and on linkedin we have a, a linkedin group where you can suggest topics and whatnot and uh and we'll see you guys again in a week or so goodbye